Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. It's pretty obvious to anybody watching now that the Joe Biden secret documents story is going to have layers and start peeling and peeling and peeling on the president of the United States. There will be no hiding from this now. And I suspect we're going to find out that there were some nefarious things going on here. And I want to reiterate as we get started talking about this that I am not worried about national security. I am not some sort of an alarmist. And I don't think any of us should be that Joe Biden took things from the White House that have endangered America or some sort of secrets. I don't know how many secrets we have left, to be honest. Our airports were shut down yesterday because our system, our NOTAM system, got, what, hacked? They won't say it. They won't say it, but let's be honest, it probably got hacked. You know, a lot of people that believe that, they've been asked that. They said, well, we don't have any proof of that yet. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. How many secrets do we really have? in this technology-related world from China and Russia and all these other countries. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many secrets we have. I don't think it's very many, I guess is my point. So I'm still not really concerned that Biden or Trump or any former presidents have taken documents from the White House that put us in jeopardy, our national security in jeopardy in any way. I think there are reasons that presidents would take documents or vice presidents or senators or anyone. I think they start with ego and vanity. And right behind that is money. And it would depend on the person. And I think we have two different cases here. I think Trump took his for ego and vanity. He had things that he wanted. And I think Biden took his to make money. The troubling part about Joe Biden is he clearly couldn't declassify them himself. And they wandered and floated out in the wind somewhere for a year that nobody knows what the, where that was or it's been disclosed until the, Biden, the Penn Biden Center opened. It opened a year after Joe Biden left the White House. So he had the documents somewhere for a year. Somebody somewhere knows they put those documents there. Now we've heard of a second location that at this point is undisclosed. That's not going to last long. We're going to find out where that was. We're going to find out how many documents that was. And what we're learning is Biden took a bunch of stuff. Why did Biden take a bunch of stuff? Because they all get into power. And they think they could do anything. Look, Biden took things that he thought would be beneficial to making money. It's already obvious. The Chinese had invested over $50 million with the University of Pennsylvania. They built the Penn Biden Center. They set it up for him. We already know that there was money involved. There are emails from Hunter Biden to an agency, agents, creative artists agency, trying to set this up and work with the Chinese to bring all this money in like the Clinton Global Initiative did and make all this money for the Biden family. It was about wealth creation. We know what these documents were related to. They were related to the Bidens getting rich somehow. I don't think they were selling military secrets to the Chinese. What they were exactly, I don't know. There may have been documents connecting people, Americans with technology companies or something that China would be interested in, or somebody, would, it's, it's all probably likely under the heading of treason. Probably. But they're never going to get him on this. My takeaway from all of this is it's going to peel. It's going to get bigger and bigger. They're going to run from it. A lot of the media will try to cover this up and say it's no big deal. But I'm sensing now that there's something else going on within the Democrat Party, and I think this is important, that Biden is weak, that Biden couldn't beat DeSantis on his best day. I think a lot of people are starting to see that. Look, DeSantis lacks something that you typically need 
in politics to become president. And maybe it's a double standard for Republicans, but you have to be likable. Like there's nothing about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the only president in my lifetime that didn't win the beer test. If you ask before an election, who would you rather have a beer with? Donald Trump, who doesn't drink, but Donald Trump or Joe Biden, most of America would say Trump, even if they hate him. They would. And that's always been, I mean, you go back through all the presidents and look who they ran against. The beer test always wins. It just does. And this time it didn't. So maybe that's gone. Maybe America's changing. Maybe that's not required. But DeSantis doesn't really pass the beer test. He doesn't have that aura, that personality. He's a leader. He is tremendous policy-wise. He is unafraid. He is smart. He's all the things you want in a president. The question is, does he have the personality to get elected? That I don't know. It doesn't matter because most Democrats believe beyond a shadow of doubt. I I don't think there's a Democrat out there that doesn't believe if DeSantis ran against Biden, that DeSantis would win. I think they all believe that. And I think the coverage of this story, we're going to start seeing that peel and unravel on Joe Biden. It's got to pile up on him. We've got the document scandal that's going to grow. They said the lawyers went and found these documents. Lawyers? You sent lawyers in? why would you even say lawyers found him? There's no way the lawyers found him. Well, I mean, what, unless what were they doing? What were lawyers doing with everything of, of Joe Biden's? I, I don't understand any of it. Normally somebody kicks in a closet and is kicking around and goes, whoa, what is this? And then they report it to somebody. Then the lawyers maybe come and get them. Lawyers, lawyers were the moving crew. They're closing the thing down or moving stuff out and lawyer, physically lawyers found them while moving. I'm not buying that at all. Hunter Biden's a huge problem. He's tied into this. You know he is. There's already emails saying that. There's obvious double standards to the American people between these documents and Trump. They're seeing it in media coverage. They saw a double standard yesterday with the FAA and the shutdown of the airports by Biden and Buttigieg, and the government screw up with their system just weeks after Biden and Buttigieg blasted Southwest Airlines, fined Southwest Airlines, told Southwest Airlines they have to pay all this money to their passengers, but the federal government, Buttigieg was asked on CNN if the federal government is going to reimburse people that were stranded. And he said, well, we're not a for-profit business, so no, we're not going to do that. Complete double standards. Anybody can see this. Anybody paying just the slightest bit of attention can now see this. Biden had a summit in Mexico where they stood in front of the cameras and they talked about immigration and the Mexican president lectured American citizens about building a wall and how we're terrible people if we want to build a wall. They go through all this discussion and their speeches and the things that they say, the three of them together. Then they had their summit. Have you seen this report? They had their summit. Immigration was never discussed. Not one second. It was never brought up. They said they ran out of time. It was too far down the list. The NOTAM system, the notice to airmen. Yesterday, we reported to you it's called notice to air missions. We've now learned that Pete Buttigieg changed this as transportation secretary, that he literally changed the name of the thing, but didn't fix it. Didn't say, hey, is it working right? Is this okay? Are we up to date on this? He hasn't done that in two years, but he did change the name of it because it was gender-specific or sexist. It was NOTAMs. It stood for Notice to Airmen. A couple of pilots sent me emails on this. I've seen other reports about it. You can Google it and read all about it. Pete Buttigieg thought that was insensitive, and he's all about equity, 
in the transportation department because we have racist roads, racist bridges, and apparently a racist NOTAM system that they changed from notice to airmen to notice to air missions. That way they didn't have to change the actual moniker of it, NOTAMs. Pete Buttigieg did this. This is what he's doing, but he didn't notice in two years that this system may need an update or new computers or new software. These people are about nothing. They're so shallow. And as we watch this start to unravel with these documents on Biden, and it will, all I can think about is Gavin Newsom. And when you go into all of this in 24 thinking that every Democrat knows that Joe Biden compared to Ron DeSantis is a losing hand because of the, mainly because of the age difference. No matter how you slice it, you can call people ageist or sexist or whatever you want to ist call people. There is little doubt that Americans will look at Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis and go, well, that guy's more qualified to be president. He's more on it. And there does seem to be a faction of voters in this country that will drift in the wind and go side to side, and they really don't care which, poli- which political party they're with. They just go with who they think should be there. And a lot of people would say, well, look at DeSantis. He's competent. We should put him in there because Biden is not. I think this is the beginning of the end for Biden. And I'm hoping it's not. So let me be wrong on this one. I want Biden to survive this, and I want Biden to run. There is no doubt that's what I want. I want Joe Biden to run for president again. I want to see it, and I want to see a good, healthy debate on the Republican side. It's clear now that many people are going to run. And if I'm Gavin Newsom right now, I'm kicking my party to the curb, and here's why. If Newsom believes what every Democrat believes, and that is if Biden runs against DeSantis, Biden will lose, Newsom has to look at DeSantis as a guy that beginning in 24 could be in the White House until 2032. That is nine years from now. Now, five years, six years from now, Newsom theoretically could run against him as an incumbent, but why would Newsom want to do that? Why run against the incumbent president? The time is now for these candidates. America, we feel it. We all feel this. America doesn't really want to see Biden or Trump in the White House. They don't. We know this. I can love Trump to death, and I can just be honest about it and tell you, I think Americans... And voters at large would rather see something different. They're ready to move on. And maybe it's my age, but there's never been a president younger than me. I'm, I'm ready for the first president of my lifetime that's younger than me. I'm ready, I'm ready for that. I consider myself middle-aged. I think I got a lot of years left. But I think it's okay if a younger president is elected. Haven't had a lot of options to vote for one, but here it comes. DeSantis, I haven't looked up Newsom's age, but I, I, I think I may be older than Newsom. I don't know. We could be very close to the same age. I don't know. But Newsom has to be sitting back looking at this thing going, well, I can't sit back now. I got to do it. I know that's what DeSantis is thinking. DeSantis is thinking, I got to do this now. I got to do it now. Why, why would you wait if you're on DeSantis? You have no reason to wait. Now is the time. Go get the old man in the White House who's dawdling around and, and doing nothing and getting caught up now in scandals and all of this money. And now we've got a Republican House that's going to shine a light on all of these. these de- Look, Biden didn't really think he was going to be president. Biden, I think this is important. Biden left the White House as vice president and all he thought about was getting rich. That's really what they did. They set up a system where he could 
sell influence, make money for his kid, and get generational wealth for his entire family. He'd become wealthy as vice president, but he was going to become insanely wealthy after his vice presidency. With influence, with introductions, with events, with his global initiative, which is basically what this is, with the Penn-Biden Center, it was all sitting there. And the money clearly was going to come from big tech, billionaires in America, and foreign governments. That's what they set it up to do. I honestly think when they started it, they never thought he's really going to run for president. That this was not, that it was just not attainable. And somehow he becomes the guy and everybody laughs at it, but he's there. He didn't do anything to earn it. He's the luckiest person. He's the luckiest American in my lifetime. I've never seen a luckier American than Joe Biden. It's ridiculous. How he got the presidency is beyond me. He was a terrible senator. He's not smart. He has stolen the uh, speeches, lies, policies, and lied about things for years and years and years. And he's just climbed and climbed and climbed by being what? The loyal soldier, the elder statesman. And somehow, with Obama's blessing or whatever, everybody bows out. Buttigieg gets out. Kamala Harris calls him a racist in a debate. Doesn't matter. She's out. Everybody just falls by the wayside. He goes to South Carolina. The black vote supports him in South Carolina. Oh, we got all this momentum for Joe Biden. And then he becomes the candidate. It was almost a throwaway candidacy, and they won. If you're Gavin Newsom, you have to be looking at that going, I'm going against my party. If you're Gavin Newsom, look, look if you're strong enough to be a real president, what do you care about your party? You go win it and you remake the party. You make it yours. Why do you care about the Obama-Clinton machine, Biden, all this stuff? It, it can't be money. Newsom has to have plenty of people on his side that would much rather see him than Joe Biden. He has to run. I don't see how Joe Biden can claim or declare that he's running for president again and not be primaried by Democrats. I don't even see how that's possible. Like legitimate candidates, not some person you never heard of that could get one half of 1% of the vote somewhere down ticket. I'm talking about like real, a, a, a real election, a real, you know, hard thing for Biden to go do that he'd have to go out on the road and visit these states and give speeches and do things in the primary that he wouldn't have to do maybe even in the general election. But I think he would this time. He didn't last time. He hid in his basement. I don't think they can get away with it. And I'm telling you, the guy that's enjoying all this has been very quiet this week, and that's Gavin Newsom. He's made some comments. He's talked about California policy. Watch for this over the coming months. Gavin Newsom has been taking shots at Ron DeSantis. Okay, that means Newsom thinks he's going to run against DeSantis. DeSantis has been doing his thing, leading, leading. Not politicking, but leading. Watch for Gavin Newsom to start saying things about Joe Biden. If he gets critical of Joe Biden, it's on. I, and I think Gavin Newsom, again, I think Gavin Newsom is going to be the candidate. I think if he primaries Biden, he beats a sitting president. I think the Democrat Party will leave Joe Biden and go with Gavin Newsom because primaries, we know what? What do we know about primaries? Boy, they love the you know conservatives rule, the, right, the Republican primaries. The far left rules the Democrat primaries, and they're going to go with Gavin Newsom. You watch what happens. This is getting crazy, getting absolutely crazy. KKHI is proud to be sponsored by North Kansas City Dental. My new dentist is Dr. Bill Bush. He had Byron Pringle in this week, the former chief, now at the Chicago Bears. Uh, there were some pictures on Facebook of Byron Pringle after his treatment at NKC Dental. Pretty standard checkup. Just came in for his annual checkup, but Pringle's still in the area. Dr. Bush is still his dentist. You never know who you might run into at North Kansas City Dental. He is the dentist to the Chiefs. 
816-471-2911. Their office is at Armour and Swift, just north of the river. He's also got one in Westwood near the plaza on the Kansas side, nkcdental.com. 360 Document Solutions, your business's consultant to just be better at things that you maybe aren't great at. If your business isn't really focused around IT and printing and mail systems and things like that, but it is a part of your business, but it's not, not like your main part of your business. It's just something you do within your business. Find somebody that's an expert in that portion of your business and let them streamline it for you. Ultimately, that's what Mark does. He streamlines your operation, makes it more functional, and therefore more profitable. 360documentsolutions.com or call Mark and his team at 913-745-5344. They work with any business anywhere in Western Missouri. That's even like Nevada, Missouri, head down south, Springfield, anywhere in Western Missouri, any business in the entire state of Kansas. He has offices all over the state of Kansas. This is a big regional business that can really help you folks. 360documentsolutions.com. And of course, MyPillow.com. And all I would ask is, you know about MyPillow and all of the products they have. You know all about them. All that I would ask, if you go to make a purchase at any point this year, use the promo code KKHI. It benefits the podcast. We'd certainly appreciate you using the promo code KKHI. There are no bigger or better discounts anywhere at MyPillow or MyStore.com than with the KKHI promo code. You can't save more with a different code. This is the biggest code you can get. You can also call MyPillow at 800 923-9034. I'll give you that number again in a second. That is the KKHI number. That's all it is. It's a dedicated phone number for listeners of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. It's 800-923-9034. If you'd like to speak to somebody in person instead of logging on, 800-923-9034. If you go to MyPillow.com at any point this year, please use the promo K-K-H-I. All right, on to some, I guess, less important news, but interesting news nonetheless. The Golden Globes were Tuesday night, and nobody watched. Nobody watched. I used to like watching award shows. Something dramatic has happened in America, not just the way with uh, the ways that we consume entertainment. With so much streaming, so much of it in-home now, so much competition for regular television channels or cable, Uh, the pandemic closing down movie theaters and people are kind of crawling back to the theaters. We'd like to go to the movies, but there are still some people that are scared to kind of go to the movies. Why would I want to be around other people? I could get sick. We've had, it's awful to say, but we've had shootings in theaters. We've had all kinds of things happen. People are staying home more. I just don't think there's any question about that. But then you put the Golden Globes, the thing about entertainment on TV and nobody watched. In 2020, this was just before the pandemic started. In 2020, Ricky Gervais hosted the Golden Globes. He's funny as all get out. He is a free speech warrior comedian. He will say anything about anyone if he thinks people will laugh. He is presumably conservative in a lot of the things that he does. And he's gotten away with that in Hollywood because he's so dang funny. In 2020, 18.4 million people watched Ricky Gervais carve up celebrities and make fun of them. It was hysterical. This year, 2023, they promoted this as a post-racial event. The promos that ran constantly on NBC were, this is the look at post-racial America, deal with it. 
Kate Blanchett or whoever the white person was he was hollering at. And this is what they did. The host I've never heard of was a black man. It featured a whole bunch of comments about racism. The Foreign Press Association is, they scrapped the show last year because they were considered to be racist in some other countries or have members in the foreign press from countries that are racist. So racism was hanging over this thing from the jump. It was the lowest rated show they've ever had. It went from 18.4 million viewers to 5.4 million viewers. Now, there was one lower rated year, but they didn't have a show that year. It was 2008, and they just had a press conference where they announced the awards. And that got lower ratings than this thing Tuesday night. But you can't compare the two. This was on NBC. People were supposed to sing and dance and be funny and tell stories and read speeches. And America doesn't care. Maybe this is the effect of social media on our culture. That this takes too long. That Maybe, maybe these shows are suffering from the same thing baseball is. We like baseball highlights, but young people don't like baseball games. They're slow. There's a lot of time where there's no action. Maybe that's what we're building as a culture. I don't know. But I think social media more than anything else has exposed these actors and Hollywood types for who they are. And I think people don't care. I think mostly liberals are unimpressed by these people. They don't care. They know that they're their fellow liberals, but they don't really like them or adore them. And conservatives have just gone away. We've just said, we don't like you. If we find, if you make a, a movie or a show like Yellowstone, if you make something we like, we will watch it, and we will make it the number one show in America. And it can be awarded. Kevin Costner won an award here. He is somewhere in the middle. He, I think he's, most people consider Kevin Costner to be a rhino. Not a conservative, certainly not a Democrat or liberal, but he's a rhino. And he's a very powerful guy in Hollywood. But Yellowstone fans didn't tune in to watch this and see if Kevin Costner won. They don't care. We're unimpressed. We don't like Hollywood. You're all woke, and we don't want to see it. And apparently, I didn't watch it. Apparently, for the better part of three hours, they jammed a whole bunch of racist stuff down your throat. Got all woke, and nobody was interested or entertained, and the speeches were too long. That's shocking. And there's a lot of things in play here. There's the racism element. There's the COVID thing. There's social media. But you can't have a precipitous fall like this. 2020, 18.4 million viewers. 2023, 5.4 million. And that is, that is absolutely insane. Happy belated birthday to our friend Spencer Marquardt over at Finch Knife Company. He is a great dude at Finch Knife Company. I saw on Facebook last night that yesterday was his birthday. Spence, happy birthday. You're doing great work at Finch Knife Company. We appreciate everything you do. And uh, I've given Finch Knives as gifts. They're great gifts. They're, they're cool gifts. This is a great gift idea. If you got somebody with a birthday coming up or some special occasion, Finch Knife Company uh, really nice. Thanks, Spence, and, and happy birthday to you, buddy. You're a good friend, and you got a great company there. I want to share with you an email that I got from a listener, and this listener was a little bit shy about sending it, thinking that it didn't belong or I wouldn't read it. But here it goes. I'm not going to give the name. I, 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 unless you write in your email that, it, that it's okay to use or use my name, I just don't. I just don't. So this one, this one really touched me yesterday, and I responded back, and I sent it to Jessica, and she sent me something back after reading it and got a little bit of a tear in her eye, but a good tear. Now, I'm not sending you away with the end of the world here. And I'll, I'll read for you Jessica's response, what she sent back to me after I sent her this email. 
I received this yesterday. Actually, I received it a couple days ago. Right? What did I get it? Yeah, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. So today's Thursday. Uh, dear Kevin, my dog Moxie had to be put to sleep on the 7th. She had just turned 15, and I'd had her since March of 08. She was a beautiful, faithful dog. I've had to work out of town since October of 10 when they closed the TWA overhaul base at the airport. Twice a week, Moxie and me would travel between Tulsa and Kansas City and then St. Louis and Kansas City. We listened to your radio show on 810 faithfully during the trip, and there was a big void when you went off the air. When we discovered your new podcast, it was like getting back together with an old friend, and it was even better than before with the addition of the additional topics like politics. And I would add the no commercial breaks must have been nice. The point of all this, my dog was my best buddy, and we spent a lot of time listening to you and your show. So I thought if you don't mind, it would mean a lot to us if you could give a quick shout-out to Moxie on your show. Probably a goofy request, but I feel like this would be an appropriate tribute. Appreciate your consideration, and thanks for the new show. Buddy, there is nothing I'd rather do than give a shout-out to Moxie. Here's what doesn't get past me. You send me something about your dog, and it's going to get our attention. I'm not going to promise that I'll read every email on the air or be involved in every story. Many of you send me your dog pictures, and I love them. I love seeing your dog pictures. We love dogs. I loved raising my children. They're adults, and I love my children to this day. If we didn't have a dog in this house, I don't know what we'd do. I, 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 we love each other. We have a good, strong relationship, but I don't know what we'd do if we didn't have the dog in common. We have other things in common, but this is the bond. The dog is it. We love, we love our dog too much. We do. So, sir, I understand, and I appreciate that, and I thank you for logging all those miles safely with Moxie. Listening to the show, I can't thank you enough for coming over to the podcast. And I emailed him back and I said, I know you won't replace her, but you're going to find a new dog and find love again, and it's going to be great. I'd be honored if you're still driving, if you listen to the podcast with your new dog when the time comes. We took about nine months before we could get a dog. We were just literally in mourning. It took us almost a year to even think about it. It was so hard. So Jessica reminded me of this and said, please mention this. And she never asked me to mention anything on the podcast. She said, after you read that, would you read this? And this is a, a little meme thing she sent me. Apparently, it's from a person in Overland Park. Um, and it's, vi it's gone viral. It's all over the internet. The, uh, the author is unknown. She said, read this for Moxie's owner and all the other dog lovers out there. Quote, dogs come into our lives to teach us about love. They depart to teach us about loss. A new dog never replaces an old dog. It merely expands the heart. I love that. Moxie was a great dog. Okay, on to sports. And sports today will be brought to you by CrossKitchensKC.com now through January 31st. Free countertops. They've never done this. They are slower in January and February than any other time of the year. He wants to get his guys out and working. Maybe that's your home. You will save thousands on a qualifying job right now with Cross Kitchens KC. Give Tim a call over at Cross Kitchens. You can find all the information you need online at their website, CrossKitchensKC.com. If you agree to a contract by January 31st, you are getting free countertops. 
Cross Kitchen says thank you to KKHI listeners for making 2022 a record year. They love you as customers, obviously, but they're also making new friends for life. Quality people with quality homes that are easy to work with. Guys are having a great experience with Cross Kitchens right now. Free countertops through January 31st. You don't have to have your job done by then. You just agree to the job by January 31st, and your countertops are free. CrossKitchensKC.com. Valentine's isn't too far away. Joslyn's Jewelry is a great idea. 95th and Antioch online at Joslyn'sJewelry.com. Check them out online. It's the jewelry you recommend to your friends and family. Ask for uh, Dave, Cameron, Gary, any of the folks in there. Any of the people that work at the counter are non-commissioned, so there's no pressure. Joslyn's is incredible. They'll clean your jewelry while you shop. It's a great experience. Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, the jewelry you'll recommend to your friends and family. On to sports, not a good night for the Missouri Tigers on Wednesday night. 21-2 stretch in the opening half, put Missouri way behind. I'd say they never came back from it, but they did come back from it. It is almost impossible to come back from a 21-2 stretch, but Missouri did. They went on their own comeback in the second half, a 17-2 run, and it was not enough. Missouri still winds up losing by 18. So AM went out and did this twice to them with another big flurry in the last 10 minutes to pull away and win easily. The big 21-2 stretch in the first half, you can't do this. If you're Missouri, you just can't do this. And I think Missouri and AM are similar kinds of teams. I think they're good teams, but I don't, they're starting to look like they're not elite teams. Elite teams don't have negative 21-2 stretches. They just don't. But I'd say the same thing about AM. Elite teams at home don't get a big lead and give up a 17-2 run. Hey, look, there are certain runs that are acceptable. 15-5, we all get it. Everybody's been there. 21-2? It just shouldn't happen. There has to be a way to stop that. Missouri missed 10 shots. They had five turnovers in that stretch. It's not always a timeout. You can't ask the coach to bail you out. We know momentum's a part of sports. We know teams get knocked back on your heels. We saw that with TCU in football on Monday night. We saw it with Missouri during this 21-2 stretch. They get a look in their eye. They've lost their confidence. They think bad things are going to happen. A timeout doesn't always fix that. You just got to find a way to get a bucket and a stop. If that means you got to slow the game down or drag it down or switch into a zone defense or do something, you got to stop it. Once somebody's on a 7-0 run, you got to stop it. You can't let it get to 21-2. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I didn't play Division I college basketball. I just know the good teams find a way to stop it. They get a 7-0 run against them. They call a timeout. They set up a play. They score a basket, and the game is reset. We see Kansas do that all the time, and I hate to use Kansas as the example because they're the gold standard, and not everybody can be that. But you have to find a way here. Kobe Brown from Missouri has to find a way to not be in foul trouble all the time. Two fouls in the first half on the bench. Picks up his third and then his fourth in the second half, sits on the bench some more. You can't do it. This was a winnable game. AM's a good team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. But they're undefeated in the SEC. This was a difference-making game for Missouri. And I feel like they weren't competitive. Again, a tremendous stretch in the second half around the 10-minute mark. They pull back within four or six points and had a chance from there. If you get there, you've got a chance. you got a chance. And then AM pulled away again. Demoy Hodge scored 10 in this game for Missouri. He has now reached 1,000 for his career, so good for him. That's a pretty cool deal. We congratulate him on that. But Missouri, Missouri's better than last night. 
They are. We've seen them be better this year. They're better than that. They're better. You just you just can't have a 21 to 2 run against. You can't let it happen and that was the downfall. Unfortunately, they got back in the game but never got back uh, the lead and and really a big chance to win. So, a tough night for Missouri. They have Florida on Saturday. Florida Gators on Saturday. I think it's 2:30 in Columbia. So, a chance about Florida's not great. Yeah, they'll be they'll beat Florida Saturday. And it'll be a one-and-one week. Missouri can survive a lot of one-and-one weeks this year and just get a fine seating in the tournament. But I think Missouri fans are at a point where they really don't want to be like an 8 or a 9 or a 10 seed. They're thinking, hey, why can't we finish third in the SEC? You know, and maybe pick off a 5 seed or something like that. It's possible. uh, But one-and-one weeks don't beat you. One-and-one weeks are not knocking Missouri out of the tournament. Losing at A&M and beating Florida is not going to harm your season. It's not what you wanted it to be but it's not going to harm your season, so we can live with that. New information on the neutral site if the Chiefs play in the AFC title game against the Bills and Bengals. That's a couple of weeks away. That would be January 29th. January 29th would be the AFC title game, and there are a lot of people chirping loudly in fairly big positions in the media, national positions affiliated with the NFL, saying this game should be played outdoors, period. That the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals are all built for outdoors, They all have outdoor stadiums. They all are considered cold-weather stadiums, although Kansas City clearly is the warmest of the three. Most people don't know this, but Cincinnati's pretty far north of Kansas City. It is. Not pretty far, but enough that the weather's way different. So Cincinnati, and we know what Buffalo is, they're all outdoor-built teams or know that they play outdoor, and they believe that this game should be played outdoor. And the, the easy one and the one gaining the most steam is Soldier Field. And my argument against that is, are you kidding me? Soldier Field could just be a train wreck of a playing environment. Now, I have for years been on record as saying, I have no problem if they want to put the Super Bowl in a cold weather city. They want to play it at Lambeau one year, I think it'd be spectacular for football. But you know it's coming and this and that. This is kind of late. I don't know. Do they wait and look at the weather, look at the 10-day forecast? The odds-on favorite here is Atlanta, and it has been from the start. Atlanta's easy for a lot of reasons. It's not really close to anybody, but it's not that far. Nobody's traveling across the country. The time zone difference for the Chiefs is no big deal. That's easy. Everybody in every city that is a fan of any of these teams, and that doesn't just include Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo, anybody in any city can fly nonstop on Delta to Atlanta. It's a big deal. You could live in Dallas. You could live in, I mean, you could live anywhere. You could live in uh, Wichita, Right? I'm sure Wichita is a Delta flight nonstop to Atlanta. Omaha, Des Moines, get on your nonstop, fly to Atlanta, and go to your Chiefs game. So it's a big deal that Atlanta has that kind of air service with Delta being hubbed there. So I've thought from the beginning, and it's indoors, probably the best way to go here. I've got no, I've got no problem with that. I, I really don't have much of a problem with Chicago unless it's just a complete nightmare of weather. And it sounds like they're waiting. And if they want to get within the 10-day period, look at the 10-day forecast, maybe that's it. It was 51 degrees in Chicago yesterday. That'd be spectacular. Soldier Field will be fine. That's even easier for fans of most of these teams. Even easier and a shorter distance for everyone. So I'm okay with that. I, I would put Chicago two right now and Atlanta number one. Indy can't have it because they have a volleyball tournament. Detroit can't have it because they're putting in new turf. That's pretty funny when it comes right down to it. But I, there's your... Here's your update. I think it's going to be Atlanta. I can't imagine them not going indoors and doing this thing in Atlanta. I think that's where it will be. But I think it's interesting that they're talking about Soldier Field to be outdoor.
If you're going to do that, why not just go to Lambeau? <laughs> Those people would, I mean, it, yes, Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills fans would go, but my God, can you imagine the cheeseheads? They'd all want to go to that game. Who would they root for? I really don't know. I really, truly don't. Other playoff notes, how about this? Skylar Thompson is starting for Miami in the playoff game this week at Buffalo. Skylar Thompson last week was praised by his coach, not that they only put nine points up and he didn't throw the ball much, but that he never played a full game in the NFL. He is a rookie. They've thrown the kitchen sink at him. And the coach said, look, he took one sack. He threw no interceptions. He managed the game for us. We won and we got in the playoffs. This was not our regular offense. We got Skylar Thompson. So the Dolphins are going to go into Buffalo and try to bring this thing down to some 13 to 10 kind of game. This ain't going to be easy for Skylar Thompson. He's nothing great. He may never be anything great, but you got to give the kid credit for doing what they wanted him to do last week. Don't lose the game for us. Let us go play defense against the Jets who can't score. Let's try to sneak into the playoffs and then we'll just see what happens. Maybe our defense intercepts Josh Allen three times this week. I don't know. They're going to ask Skylar Thompson to do something really simple this week. Don't lose the game. Now, if they get down 17 points, that changes everything. But at the start of the game, don't lose it. Let's go play. Brock Purdy's the quarterback for the 49ers this week. They play Seattle. Skylar Thompson and Brock Purdy know each other like best friends. They played against each other at K-State and Iowa State forever. In the game called Farmageddon, which, by the way, I, I need to do this. This summer, I need to make a goal of this. Iowa State fans, Kansas State fans, there needs to be a trophy and a sponsor. There is no reason to not take that and run with it. You invented the term Farmageddon. That game should be like, this is stupid that they're not doing more with that game. They're good programs, Farmageddon. So Purdy and Thompson know each other really, really well. It's never going to happen. It's like a one in a billion shot. But what if the Dolphins played the Niners in the Super Bowl? A Farmageddon Super Bowl? Can you even imagine? How shocking is it that these two quarterbacks are starting in the playoffs this week? Brock Purdy and Skylar Thompson are starting in the NFL playoffs. It is an absolute shocker. There are new rules in the playoffs, if you didn't know this. New overtime rules this year. Both teams get the ball. There will be no more winning the coin toss, scoring, and the game is over. There's none of that. That does not exist. So each team gets the ball. The statistics are in. 12 playoff games total where the coin toss winner went 10-2. and two. Coin toss was 10-2. and two. Obviously, they had to change the rules of overtime. Each team gets the ball. I'm going to ask the question, what do you do? You win the toss. Do you want the ball or do you defer? Most coaches are thinking instinctually right now, hey, if we both get the ball, I'm deferring. I'm going to kick off to them. If I stop them, they'll punt it to me. I'll have better field position, and then I can go win the game. But there's one nasty little caveat to that. There ain't no tie here. You have to take the ball. And here's why you have to take the ball. You have to take the ball because you have two possessions for one throughout the remainder of the game. There's no even Steven. It's not baseball. This would be like going into extra innings in baseball. And if you scored in the top of the 11th, you win the game. That's what this is. You have to take the ball. It's a two for one. There's no tie. You have to take the extra, you have to take the extra possession every time. I, I can't see it any other way. Now, I haven't run it through a computer. I haven't read the science. Your opponent clearly, if you get stopped on that first drive, well, if you, it doesn't matter whether you're stopped or not. Your opponent clearly gets the ball the second time, each time, 
and will know that they have to go for fourth downs. They'll have the advantage of fourth downs. You won't. You're going first. You do not have the advantage of going, but you have the option of going for fourth downs. You just don't know if you have to do it. The advantage to going second is we know what we have to do to win this game. They're on the board. They got zero. They got three. They got seven. They got whatever. We know now what we have to do to win this game. It involves a lot of play calling, going for fourth downs, kicking a field goal, not kicking a field goal, things like that. You hold the strategy in your hand if you go second. I'm telling you, most coaches, that's going to be catnip for them. They're going to want to go second. The coaches are going to want to go second. They're going to want to have the thing in control and know what they have to do. They are missing the point. It is a basketball two-for-one throughout the overtime. I think that's a tough call. I'm taking the possessions. I, I, we got to figure out overtime in the NFL. They have to come up with something better. Clearly have to come up with something better. All right, before our final final, which has to do with the NCAA and limiting transfers, we want to let you know that AmazingGarageFloors.net is now taking appointments for this spring. To do garage floors, call John or Heather over at Amazing Garage Floors at 913-901-7139 and set your date for that new Amazing Garage Floor. They'll still come out this time of year, measure you, get your bid in for you, and then when the concrete gets just a little bit warmer, although I don't know, man, I, I, they might be working right on through all this stuff because it really hasn't been cold. AmazingGarageFloors.net and bstock.net now through the playoffs offering free delivery around the 435 loop in Kansas City. $1,000 purchase or more on anything, whether it's computers, televisions, whatever it may be. 1000 bucks or more, free delivery. 14680 South Flaming Road is the location in Olathe for bstock.net. And that's outside the loop, folks, which means if you live out by bstock, you know they're going to deliver you there, even if you're outside the loop. I don't know. There's probably a number of miles here. All right. Just if you live in Kansas City, they're going to deliver it free. I said it, Chris. Sorry. Sue me. It's coming your way. You're going to be good. Free delivery on a purchase of $1,000 or more, including MacBook computers, Windows laptops, you name it. Smart TVs, all at bstock.net, 14680 South Flaming Road. Our final final today is from the NCAA. They have had their committee meeting and changing rules. They've decided to increase coaching staffs in many sports. If You probably didn't, but if you turned on at any point last night the Texas TCU game, and I flipped over for a couple of minutes, was watching some of that one. They called a timeout, and Texas went to break. They have more coaches than players. I couldn't believe it. There's no seats for them. They have two rows of benches. There's not enough seats for all the Texas personnel. And now the NCAA is going to allow more coaches? We're going to give you more coaches. Wow, do these schools have a lot of money to spend. Well, they're going to increase the number of coaches. We need to decrease the number of people on the bench at college basketball games. It's ridiculous. It needs to come down to like five. Five on the bench, everybody else back behind. If you're a water boy, if you're a trainer, if you're the team doctor, if you're anyone like that, you're a row behind and you wear different clothes or something. It looks, just, just looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. But the big news was, the NCAA says it's cracking down on transfers. 2,000 football players transferred this year, including 120 quarterbacks. That's basically one per team, a quarterback per team. This is undergraduate only. So if you've graduated and you want that fifth year, you're still going to be allowed to go wherever you want. What they're wanting to do is crack down on second timers, that you will not be allowed to transfer a second time unless you have a medical reason or some real viable option here. They're not just going to allow unfettered free agency. They're trying to crack down on this being unfettered free agency. I don't know that this will work. We'll see. 
because there are exceptions involved. We don't have all the details of what they want to do, but their heart is in the right place. We want the opportunity for athletes to be able to transfer to another school and play right away without sitting out. We want that opportunity for them, but we don't want unfettered free agency. There has to be a middle ground. I've stated what I believe a big part of the middle ground is, and that is going back to the days that you cannot transfer in your conference. It's ridiculous. And I think conferences should just do this. Would it really matter? Would someone not play for a school in a certain conference if their rule was you couldn't transfer in conference? That may harm SEC football a little bit, but that's the only thing I can think of. What would a kid at Mississippi State care if he couldn't transfer to Georgia after a year or two? Or you know, This is ridiculous. Most of these players don't transfer up. They transfer down. Most players transfer down. But let's say you're a star, and you're, you're going to believe you're going to be a star, and you're going to Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and you're thinking, oh, if I'm really good, I could transfer to Georgia someday. Well, nobody's thinking that. But if the opportunity presents itself, does it really matter if you transfer to Georgia or Ohio State? If all of a sudden Ohio State says, we want you to, whatever, great problem to have. So I, I think they do need to work on that, and I'd love to see them go back today. You can't transfer in conference. I just think that's a bad thing for any conference, to be trading players within a league. We don't see it in pro sports. Pro sports, they're, they're so averse to trading within their division. They, they want any part of it, in many cases, in the conference or the league. You know, they, they don't want to do it. You don't want to trade your player in a conference. The Chiefs did it with the Dolphins, with Tyreek Hill, essentially. And I just don't think they're threatened by the Dolphins. I think that's what that said. I don't think they would have worked out a deal with Buffalo or Cincinnati. Do you? I don't. And so I'd like to see that curtailed within conferences in college football and basketball, which are the two main sports. I know there's all these other sports. I know. I'm not dissing your child that was a scholarship athlete in a uh, another sport. I'm not doing that. But mostly for the points of this podcast, no going forward when I'm talking about college athletics, I am almost always talking about football and men's basketball. That's the world I live in. That's the reality, and that's what gets the TV ratings and the dollars and the people that really, really, really love it. And that's where we live, right here at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 